0: Hello and welcome to the Millennials podcast for another week. I am your senior executive producer and main number one host, Seth.
1: I'm the other guy, Smith.
0: Yes. And yeah, we're here. It's a big day in Millennials Nation.
1: Yeah, ding dong. Uh, Uh, the witch is dead.
0: Yes, the, uh, in case nobody, in case you haven't heard yet, uh, Tragic news for some in America. Uh, John McCain has died at 81, I
1: believe. Yeah. Yes. I'm, I'm far more sad about the death of John McCain's tumor. A true American hero, if there ever was one.
0: A prisoner of war, if I've ever seen one.
1: <laughs> so Trapped inside honest. the skull of a old racist. <laughs> oh my god, dude. And you know what the thing is about all this? Is... Now that he's dead, everybody's going to come out with their whole, like, oh, it's so sad. He was a great man. This is... Uh, fuck you. Fuck off. Yeah, I know one
0: thing that... I mean, here's the thing. I love a lot of uh, comedians and people, and I, but I don't expect a lot of them to uphold my political beliefs because I know that I'm currently pretty radical in America. So I have to put that past it. So that's why last night when I was on Instagram, I saw that Chris Rock posted a rest in peace John McCain, you, you ran against Obama and you never made it racial and all this stuff, and I mean, hey, I love Chris Rock to death, he's probably the best comedian alive, but maybe not the best opinion there, buddy.
1: Except that John McCain did make things racial all the time. He yeah. once said, like, in an interview, and it wasn't even that long ago, it was like 2008, I mean it was the President's election, I think, where he said that he hates the gooks. Like, he said that. Yeah. That's a legit thing he said. Like, he also he also called his wife a cunt one time, uh, like, on TV or whatever. Like, I didn't know about that. Yeah, dude. Like, he, I mean, he didn't know the mic was on. He was making a joke. But, like, no, fuck this dude. He was a fucking racist and a sexist. And he killed, he killed, you know, Vietnamese children in the war. Like, he dropped napalm on civilians. Fuck this guy.
0: Yeah, he's, like, an actual awful person. So, I mean, good riddance. I feel like there's this weird thing in America. It's it's definitely not as prevalent as it used to be, but there's this weird idea that just because someone was a politician and was somewhat respected, even if you didn't like them, when they died, you need to respect them. It's decorum. And I, th- I mean, luckily, that's very much changing. It's something that was um, pointed out to me, because I didn't know much about you know what it was like in the 60s until I watched Mad Men and... Even, like, I'm watching this show, and it's, like, everyone on that show is a fucking dirty, conservative, Republican, like, just terrible fucking politics. But when Martin Luther King Jr. dies, and when JFK dies, they're like, you don't disrespect this person. They are, they were a, a man in charge, and they deserve all of our respect, no matter if I agree with them or not. Which, it was very, I'll say this, I don't, still don't agree with it, but it's very interesting that that's how things used to be. Because, today, if the current president of the United States died... Just
1: imagine what the reactions would be. I think probably there'd be there'd be a lot of be a lot of shit, dude. If 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 Donald Trump died, like his fucking fat heart finally gave out on him, dude. Like first of all, the Q people would go insane. The what people? The QAnon people. Oh yeah, they would fucking lose their minds. But there'd be tons of Democrats who would say. We disagreed or whatever, but he was the commander-in-chief or something yeah. like that. They'd, they'd find some way to not offend anybody.
0: Yeah, then there'd be me with fucking... I'd paint my face and go out and fucking have a dummy of him on a stake. you know? Like, come <laughs> on. I'm done with this guy. I'm done with American politics. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I love how I'm, I'm currently hosting a political podcast and I'm just done with politics.
1: I think you're done with traditional politics.
0: I'm very much done with traditional politics.
1: But you know what? Let's let's run down a couple of things. A couple of the good things John McCain did in his life. Let's do it. I got a couple of them. Uh, he did manage to crash five American planes and waste a lot of yep. military money. So hey, good, John McCain. Good job. Yeah, spend that military money. Also, he he managed to get captured and tortured by the Viet Cong. Hey, pretty cool yeah. as well. He managed
0: to be almost absolutely useless in in the war and somehow came out being a maverick.
1: Oh my god, dude! The Maverick shit was so fucking annoying. People were like, "Oh, he's he may be a Republican, but he stands outside the conservative." You know, he or sorry, he's a true conservative. He doesn't go along with the party or whatever. Fuck you.
0: Yeah, I just I think it's funny how when I look back on it, I feel like Sarah Palin was like a fever dream that we had. Because I don't remember any. I don't. All I remember is the insane shit that she said,
1: and ever since then it's just been kind of like radio silence. Yeah. I think Trump brought her back for a little bit. She said even more crazy shit then.
0: Yeah. Really? really I that's mean, it. She's just wild. I almost respect how wild she is. Like, she just says fucking shit that makes no sense. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. I can see Russia from my fucking porch.
1: And it just feels like. No, it... you can't! <laughs> no, of course not. I feel, I mean, John McCain always was pandering to. I'm not sure who he was pandering to with the Sarah Palin pick. Like, do you know? Like, who, who, was, who was she supposed to appeal to?
0: I mean, I guess since women are, on average, more likely to vote Democrat, maybe he thought that if he had a woman vice president, it would be easier to get them on board.
1: But he just happened to pick the most insane one.
0: He picked a very, very insane woman. And I don't... I mean, he could have picked probably anybody else.
1: And do you remember this whole thing?
0: And this is the craziest part to me, like, how everyone sexualized Sarah Palin? Yeah, that was really weird. Everyone was like, man, she's so hot. I'm like, what? No. I mean, I'm not going to say she's uglier, so I'm not going to just disrespect her for no reason, but she is not
1: hot. I did not ever get that. I thought it was a joke, right? I thought it was like, like we, were, we were just joking about how the fact that she's a woman and she's not ancient or whatever. That's the joke, but I don't know, dude. No, people were like, they, they were like swimsuit pictures and all this. They are like,
0: yeah, we really fucking want to bang Sarah Palin because she's so fucking attractive. And I'm like, okay.
1: Jesus. I, I guess. You do you. You know, speaking of commenting on women's appearances, did you ever hear of the joke John McCain made about about uh, um, Chelsea Clinton? No. When she was a teenager, he made the joke that she was so ugly because uh, Janet Reno was her father. Wow. Which, like, fuck, dude! Like, that's another thing. Like, I, okay, first of all, incredibly good burn. But, yeah, very, very, very well-made, Burn. But you can't fucking talk about the guy as if he was some paragon of decorum. If he's over here making jokes about women's appearances, especially teenage girls' appearances.
0: Yeah, like, you're a person who's in power, and you just told a teenage girl
1: she's ugly. Like... Like, hmm. yeah, fuck off. And the one thing that people say was good about him, that I, I will fucking fight you on this, is... That he said we needed campaign uh, finance reform. And yeah, he said that, but what did he ever actually do about it? What did he ever actually try and accomplish? Not a goddamn thing.
0: Yeah, he said that, but hell, he said a lot
1: of things. That's true. People say a lot of shit. (laughs) I mean, make it true. Yeah, it's just like he was absolutely a tool of capital to the very end and never wanted once to actually follow through on these. Like, all kinds of politicians talk about campaign re- uh, finance reform. They never do anything about it. No one ever ever solves that problem. No. Not even people who pretend that like they want it do anything. Yeah. So I guess what we're trying to say here is uh, uh, fuck John McCain, rest and piss.
0: Yeah. Uh, no respect from the Millennials podcast out to Senator John McCain.
1: No. Not, not at all. Yeah, that was a pretty crazy uh, thing to learn last night. Um, and
0: uh, yeah, the thing was, I didn't even see it because like normally, like I use Reddit all the time, so if something big like that happens, it's just, like on the top page of Reddit pretty fast. So I was just browsing Reddit, didn't see anything. And then I went on Instagram and I <laughs> saw it on World Star Hip Hop's page. <laughs> Senator John McCain dead, eighty one. And then I was like, huh. So then I went back to Reddit, and I had to go a little bit farther down on the front page, and finally it was there. And I was like,
1: oh, I guess this actually is true. I think World Star Hip Hop might be one of the most unrecognized uh, primary news sources in the world. I'm actually, and this is, I
0: say a lot of sarcastic stuff on this podcast, but I get a lot of my news from World Star Hip Hop, to be entire, from their Instagram feed, to be entirely honest. Why would so? You? Yeah, they they got the they got the people on the street doing the real reporting. So
1: yeah, I get a, I get a lot of my news from them. It's kind of like after after the election, Teen Vogue like hit their head and had a fucking personality change into like a, I mean a leftist magazine sort of. Yeah, Teen Vogue went fucking wild, and like, and now the Onion has been going hard too. If Anyone from Teen Vogue or the
0: Onion wants to come on this podcast, let us know. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, the Onion has. For so long, they were like, we don't know if we can even do satire anymore because the real headlines seem like our headlines. But they have just found... Uh, they found some new life in all this, I think.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's like the new kind of satire that they have to do is like, hey, let's just go ahead and take what we're what we're doing and just let's just push the envelope even further. Because you have to go now. You've got to be yeah. even crazier than the, than the headlines. And I guess... The the big let's talk about the big headline from this week, Seth. Let's talk about the big one that happened, that has kind of fallen by the wayside now that John McCain is dead. Uh, not something I personally find too interesting, but we at least need to mention it, which was um, that Donald Trump is currently, you know, uh, experiencing some a, a little a little betrayal, double cross from his old friend uh, uh, Michael Cohen.
0: Yeah, it's like it's, it's the the White House is actually rapidly becoming like uh it's like a
1: scandal type television show. Yeah, for sure. I did see that there was some kind of person. I don't know. I can't remember which channel it was. It was CNN or Fox. The news uh, Chiron, said that Donald Trump tastes learns the taste of betrayal. I was Damn! Like, Holy shit! That's next week. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> that was like some Game of Thrones type shit right there, man. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, um, uh, Michael Cohen has, has decided that he's going to, uh, uh, I guess, I don't know, turn state's evidence or something or admit that he he did a crime on behalf of Donald Trump and Trump thinks that he admitted to something that wasn't actually a crime, which yeah, sure. Okay. Whatever. Obviously there were some crimes there. Yeah. Um, uh, but like, here's the thing. First of all, why didn't Cohen just hold out for a fucking pardon?
0: Yeah, he went, he went real hard on this.
1: Because I mean that's obviously what Paul Manafort is doing, right? Like he's definitely holding yeah. out for a pardon.
0: How much? How do you? How long do you think it is before one of these guys gives us the P tape
1: or the N tape? <laughs> At this point, I don't think the N word tape would change anything. Uh, his followers also want to say the word. Uh, the The P tape might, might move the needle a bit. Just, just it would definitely move the comedy needle a lot.
0: Yeah, I think the. I think the end tape would hopefully get him assassinated um and I think that the the p tape would be very meme worthy, yeah and but I don't know it's one of those things um where I don't know if it can actually directly get him taken out of office, hmm. And the one thing, another thing is, I actually don't want Donald Trump to be taken out of office. We've discussed this before, because I don't want Mike Pence to be president. Yeah,
1: that's true.
0: I think it would actually be worse. Like, by a magnitude of a lot.
1: We don't want President Horsefucker running the show.
0: No. We don't want somebody who will actually be a puppet for the Republicans and won't just say wild shit on Twitter to, in some way, radicalize some Americans, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I hope Donald Trump stays alive for that one fact. Um, but I do hope P-tape and N-tape make, a, make, make some waves eventually.
1: Now here's a question for you, Seth. Mm-hmm. How would you ever do comedy again after the piss tape? I don't know. It, w- it would be really tough for
0: a- our finest working comedians to, uh, to get back out on the road after that one. They'd have to go
1: to the writing room for a while. Like, people say 9-11 destroyed comedy for a while. The piss tape would be, like, a genocide of comedy.
0: Also, speaking of the end tape and the onion, I wanted to read an onion headline from this week that really got me. Okay. It said, Omarosa searches through tapes of everyone else in the White House using the N-word to find (laughs) one (laughs) from Trump.
1: Yeah, that's probably true. You know what? I actually can't see... Uh, like Kushner or Ivanka saying it because they're just spineless liberals. They don't. They're not going to say it. Yeah. Uh, everyone else though probably fair game. Like definitely uh, Steve Bannon has, has definitely said it. Hmm. Um. Sebastian Gorka seems like he's the kind of crazy racist from a different country who would use the N word. Like
0: Sebastian Gorka seems like he would use the word to describe anything. <laughs> <laughs> like if he was mad at. Uh, a plate of food, he'd call it the N-word.
1: <laughs> he almost was the kind of guy who would, call, who would, like, be so old-timey or whatever, or, like, refined European... Not refined European, but faux-refined European. That he'd call, he'd say, he'd just say like, he would just say it, like, colored people, but he would say it in the way that you knew he was the N-word. Yeah. I don't know, dude. And he would actually expect them to use, like, a different door. Oh, for sure. It's definitely true. And then you've got, like... Let's see, who else is, who else we got on the fucking uh, all-star uh, cast up there? Mattis. What's that guy? Go ahead. Okay, Mattis, is, Mattis is probably definitely said. I mean, look at him. He's a fucking military dude. He's a white military guy. He's 7,000 years old. Of course he said it. What's the name of that Papalopoulos guy? George Papadopoulos or whatever? Yeah, he said it. Definitely. Some Greek dude yeah. like him? There's no way he hasn't used the N-word. He, he has certainly said it. Uh, I guess Rex Tillerson's dead or something. <laughs> he's um, definitely said it. He's not there anymore. But have we mentioned Steve Bannon yet? Oh, for sure, dude. Yeah, Steve Bannon literally wants race war in America. Like he would be that guy if he was uh, at all uh, physically fit and not a huge pussy. Who was in, in the the first purge, going door to door in that at apartment block, killing black people? that would be him for sure.
0: Oh yeah, that would that would certainly be him. But if an actual race war were to break out, he would not only cower in fear, but also be
1: one of the first ones dead. Oh, for sure. People will go for Steve and hard. Um, but you know what, speaking actually of race war, um, the president has decided to dip his, his hands into this. Have you seen this, what he did?
0: With the race war in America?
1: With race war, let's just say, internationally. No. He has asked Secretary of State Mike Pompeo to look into the seizure of land from white farmers in South Africa for mm. redistribution, which, hey, I'm all for redistribution now, right? Yeah. <laughs> but he's like, it's, it's, it's this crazy conspiracy theory, in case you haven't heard of it. You know white genocide, right? Of course.
0: Uh, it ha- started with uh, The Force Awakens.
1: Yeah, that's when we started to see white genocide. Yeah, um, and
0: cuckballs and stuff, yeah.
1: Yeah, well, uh, apparently the conspiracy theory now is that... Uh, South African, uh, the government is seizing, uh, land and property from white farmers to give to black farmers, I guess, is the, is the conspiracy theory that, uh, all these, uh, white people on the internet are pushing. And now the president has decided to, 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 get involved as well and say that it's, uh, there's something to this. I mean, yeah, good, good
0: on Trump, man. Yeah. <laughs> Save those white people, please.
1: Well, I was reading if there's on it. there's one
0: class of people that is disadvantaged in Africa, <laughs> it's
1: white people. I was reading up on it, and apparently the reason that it's like... There, there's truth to this theory, but it's because, like in America, most land in South Africa is owned privately. Especially farmland. Okay. And most of the people who own it, the it's, it's owned by a very small group of people who happen to all be white. I wonder why... And so the government's now seizing land from them to, you know, help with the uh, food problems they're having in the country. So, of course, it looks like four white people are getting their land seized, but it's like, you know, thousands of acres or something. Yeah. But it's, but it's not white people who are getting attacked here. It's it's corporate farmers is who's getting attacked. It's big agribusiness. Yeah, which is exactly why Trump was worried.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> Yeah, I mean it's true. It doesn't matter what what the what, what the actual reasons are. It's it's it helps him either way. First of all, it whips up you know anti you know people of color uh, rage here in America, and also uh, helps protect corporate uh, profits.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean that's bread that's bread and butter for people like Donald Trump. He he sees someone who is in some way tangentially like him. You know, rich person who. Doesn't really care about people below him, and he's like, "Hey, they're being—it looks like they're being disadvantaged. Let me let me swoop in. Not that I think that he's gonna get anything done with this. No, but because what jurisdiction does he have? But you know.
1: And what I like too is no one ever asked the question. Uh, so why do all these white farmers have land in South Africa? I wonder how they, I wonder how they got it. I wonder how they came across that land. Yeah, was it just like sitting there unoccupied, or you know, did they? buy it from someone or an equal exchange of resources. Surely that's what happened, right?
0: Of course. It was, it was fair and clean, <laughs> as all the, uh, the endeavors of white people in Africa has been.
1: Hey, dude, I, the, fucking, the the insanity of this whole thing, right, it, to me, is that they're mad about, about uh, farmland owned by white people in South Africa, and no one ever asked a critical question of, like, uh, it seems kind of weird. Why do? how do these white folks have this 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 land in in South Africa? Because that's not generally a a place where white people came from, you know. Yeah, and historically, so actually, historically not. Yeah, at all. And historically speaking, that land was not acquired through any sort of like channels you would c- today consider proper, you know. Yeah. Like we don't like they didn't buy that land for actual money. They didn't fucking. Uh, uh claim un uncontested territory. They came there, they killed people, they took their shit, and now they have it. And now they're mad that it's getting seized back. Yeah. So, yeah, fuck that shit. And yeah, it's just, just you know, uh people the the hashtag resistance is always talking about how uh like Trump's foreign policy or whatever is just a distraction from the Mueller probe or whatever. But like this kind of does feel like that. Like he's grasping at straws. To try and get you to not pay attention to, not necessarily the Mueller probe, but more don't pay attention to the the terrible things that are happening domestically right now.
0: Yeah. Uh, speaking of hashtag movements, there's some it's some interesting developments in the hashtag Me Too movement this week. This week.
1: Oh yeah, what happened?
0: Um. So an accuser of Harvey Weinstein, Asia Argento. Asia. Asia Argento, or is it Argento, Argento, Argento. Um, so she's been accused of sexually abusing someone, What? and huh? I was, I'm amazed. What? Wait, you didn't hear about this? No, I didn't hear about this. Maybe I have. Maybe my story is wrong then. But I please this is what happened. I might be speaking entirely incorrectly, but she was accused of sexual abuse and of paying someone off to not talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so all this came out. And people were like, "Oh man, she, you know, she's she's just as bad as Weinstein because she did this, and she paid the person to be quiet about it." And in her when in her rebuttal when she decided to um, come back and talk about her side of the story, she decided to bring in uh, recently deceased Anthony Bourdain and say one that she didn't sexually harass or have sex with this underage person, but. It was Anthony Bourdain's idea to pay them off for no reason. Whoa. Yes. And, uh, there's even, like, apparently, I mean, it's not in the public yet, but apparently there's even a picture of her in the bed with this person, when even when the person was underage. Um, not, they're not having sex in the picture, but they are in a bed and it clearly could have been having sex. Um, so yeah, I just thought it was very interesting that in her last, much like our boy, uh, who was the chef that brought in a recipe for his rebuttal?
1: I don't know about this. Yes, you do! The famous chef that got Me, Too- that got Me Too'd. Oh, what, it, yeah. Uh, some Italian fuck. What's his name? Mario Batali? Is, Is that, that who it was? Yeah. Was it him?
0: It was yeah. Batali, yeah. It, it, so far in the list of greatest Me Too comebacks, I think that recipe for, like,. Roles or whatever, and bringing in a dead man um, to say that they they told you to pay off a person for what you're claiming to be no reason. I think those pretty much go go at the
1: top of the rebuttal list so far. There's a lot going on in this story you're talking about here. Yeah, I mean, why is Anthony Bourdain even involved in this scenario? That's <laughs> what I want to know. It's like, what did why, why why are you? Come on, have some. Even if he did tell you to do it, wait a minute, wait a week or two. He just died. Like, Aziah Argento is a person that I only know because she was in the movie Land of the Dead and her father, uh, Dario Argento, uh, did a lot of mo- uh, horror scores back in the 70s. And so, that's how I know her and I know her from nothing else. You're saying that she, she fucked some underage person? Apparently,
0: apparently, from the stories that I've heard, uh, it was supposed to be a person who was underage, at least at the time they had this relationship or sexual harassment thing whatever um and never got out and then now after she's accused harvey weinstein of messing with her some things came out about her and like before it got public she paid the person off to not talk about it and now she's saying that first of all she didn't do it but she did pay them off and it was bourdain's idea to do it
1: that's fucked up
0: so yeah i don't know what the legitimacy of any of the parts of this story are but i do know for the fact that she claimed she does, she has claimed to pay the person off, and that it was Bourdain's idea. So,
1: so okay, but hold on though. If you didn't do it, why would you pay somebody off? That's the inter- she. She said. She said that's the part that was Bourdain's idea was just to pay them off anyway.
0: Um, because I guess allegations can they they believe that allegations will just spiral out and hurt you anyway, which, as we've discovered with. uh
1: the Chris Hardwick case is uh, not true. Oh, man. I was sitting there watching... I was just, like, glancing at the television one day, and I happened to see him on there again, and I was like, is this some kind of, like, rerun or some shit? He's back on TV now. Well, yeah, because...
0: I mean... Here's the thing. I'm not I'm not gonna sit here and say that Chloe Dykstra lied or in any way falsified what happened to her, but... When every everyone else who's dated Chris Hardwick says that this is not who he is, and there's nothing that come out in an investigation, when every other everybody else who's been investigated has had something come up, I mean, there's nothing that the network can do at that point. They can't just fire a guy for what what one person says about him. So, I mean, I mean, they
1: can't just fire him because I don't like him. No, they can't do that. Ah, oh, damn it.
0: And then plus, and here's one thing. I once again, I don't want to invalidate Chloe Dykstra in any way but she claims that she had extra proof that all this stuff happened to her and she would release it if pressed. She was pressed and released nothing. So, I mean, especially at that point, I mean, if the person who says they have evidence won't even release it or refuses to, I mean, he can't lose his job for no, for no good reason. So, I mean, yeah. Whether he did, whether he did what was claimed or not, I mean, There's there's nothing at this point that can keep him from having a job.
1: I'm still torn between either, if if I had one Predator drone strike at my disposal, between uh, Chris Hardwick or the Chevy commercial guy. Well, no, you have, it's a three-way tie, I believe, for you. Oh, also Bradford (laughs) Howe. Bradford Howe. I could take out any one of those three. I don't know which one I would, Fuck.
0: The best part is, listeners of this podcast probably know who Chris Hardwick is. Mm Mm-hmm. They probably know who the Chevy commercial guy is. He's yeah. the one when, when you go to a movie theater, beforehand they're like playing the move, the one with like, oh, real people, not actors. And yeah. he's like always presenting them the cars. That guy. But, and it's weirdly tangentially related um, Bradford Howe is a man who used to host one of those pre movie shows, like the things you watch before the movies come on, mm-hmm. showing you all the newest information. And goddamn did Smith hate Bradford Howe.
1: I did. Of every fiber of my being, I hated this motherfucker who left 14 buttons on his shirt unbuttoned, and I just was just the, sm- he was like, he was like, I don't like Ryan Seacrest in general, but he was like, hey, what if we got even worse Ryan Seacrest? He was nothing, he was a pile of nothing, and I hated him, I just didn't, I, don't, I'm just, I wish he was dead. The best part is, I doubt that Bradford Howe still has a job.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think that because of his unemployment, he has turned to the left and he probably listens to this podcast. <laughs> and he is very upset right now with the things we said about him. So Bradford, if you're out there, you are extremely welcome to come on the podcast and talk about how radical you are now. But your shirt up first. Well, it's audio, so you're fine. You're
1: fucking weirdo. Be, be naked. Oh my god. I'm naked. I always wonder about those those pre uh, um, theater like those pre movie commercials or whatever they have or those like programs. Who are any of those people? The ones at the theater
0: I go to now are from Maria Menunos, who actually is I guess kind of famous. She's been on like lots of TV shows before, so but she's the only one I've ever heard of doing stuff.
1: Yeah, I like, think I, the- I don't
0: know who these people are.
1: The one person I ever heard of that I saw in, like, one statement was, like, I think it was Jessica Chobot. Jessica Chobot,
0: yeah, she's been on a couple. Of, she does, like, the Intel tech review on some of the pre-movie shows.
1: Was she the one who licked a PSP?
0: Yeah, and you got so mad at it for no reason.
1: It was, because it's just a dumb pandering. Who cares? But I, I couldn't remember if it was her, if it was, uh, oh, what's her name? The one who went on to be an X-Men Apocalypse.
0: Oh, Olivia Munn. Olivia
1: Munn. She also was one of those. Uh, now, I'm, pre- uh, I'm pretty sure it was
0: Chobot that lit the PSP. But yeah, you you really get mad at the people who are on G4 channel for
1: no Ooh, reason. I hate those motherfuckers.
0: G- G4 doesn't exist anymore, though, does it? It does not. I said that's why I said was okay. on. Because it was Tech on. TV
1: before that, and Tech TV was cool, and, this, and G4 was Tech TV was not.
0: fucking sucked. G- G- t- fuck you, Tech TV was great. Leo Laporte was the only good thing about tech TV and then G4 came along and G4 was better still sucked but it was better (laughs) and people who were on that were just doing what they had to do to get fucking paid
1: I'm not saying that I'm not saying that I don't don't understand that I'm just saying that it was for some reasons uh, we watched it a lot in our house because our dad was obsessed with technology and so it transitioned from tech TV to G4 and even he kind of fell off the wagon after a while Yeah, and Olivia Munn is one of the finest working actresses we
0: have. Wait, let's not (laughs) let's not disparage Olivia Munn for no reason
1: for her one
0: appearance in a movie as Psylocke in. She's in Psylocke. She's in the new Predators. She's on like a lot of shit now.
1: That Predator does look rad, though. I want to see that. Yeah,
0: so let's not disparage people for no reason over here.
1: That's the whole. That's like ninety percent of our.
0: No, we disparage people for a reason on our podcast. That's true, we do actually.
1: I apologize, uh, Olivia Munn, for disparaging and Jessica rumors. Chobot. And Jessica Chobot. Now, okay, which one of those two they get me confused all the time was in Mass Effect Two, playing the reporter. I believe, I believe Chobot was in Mass Effect Two. Okay, I believe. I, Although I was if th- that's
0: an acting thing, I'm going to say it was Olivia Munn just because she's actually acting.
1: I actually I know. Chobot. I'm thinking Mass Effect Three. She was in. Okay, It doesn't matter. It's a dumb tangent. Uh, anyways, uh, speaking of, uh, video games, actually, Uh-oh. we should talk about, we should talk about, um, what happened this week with Cyberpunk 2077, did you see this?
0: Yeah, they posted, like,
1: you tell the story, we'll talk about it. So, so they posted, like, a, a picture or something from the, from the game or whatever, and... Some, like a, a, it was a picture of some characters, I guess. And a fan uh, rec- like commented back, like, I want more dudes. But there was no comma in that sentence. So, like I said, I want more dudes. And the official Cyberpunk 2077 Twitter account responded back with, uh, Did you just assume their gender? And it's a shitty joke made only by people who have no talent whatsoever in terms of, of funny things to say and after a bit they deleted it and then they, they issued an apology which was not a very good apology because it was literally one of those we're sorry if anyone was offended you know kind of kind of apologies and yeah. it just like it sucks to me because cyberpunk is a, is, a, is a genre which is defined about around rebellion against the status quo against the norms right mm-hmm. and that does include gender stuff like like, cyberpunk is incredibly welcoming in most in most points to transgender people and non-binary, or whatever you happen to identify as. It validates those things because it presents a future in which you could live out that life. And it just sucks that it seems like... I mean, I'm not sure if this applies to developers, because I know, I know developers and marketing are two separate things, right? Yeah. But it seems like the marketing, at least, does not understand the genre of punk. So I've got some opinions on this matter. Okay.
0: One... If you are offended by this in any way, don't be, okay? Because it's not a big deal at all. These people made a dumb. I went to college in the era of gender politics becoming big, and the amount of times I would hear people say, "Did you just assume my gender?" was in innumerable. How many times this dumb joke is made? This is this was a joke made by a dumb marketing person who's f- actually functionally retarded, who made who put out. Oh, do you see my gender thinking? It's a dumb joke. They didn't, they don't actually, they don't, they don't mean anything by it. It's an empty comment. They don't actually have any opinions on the matter, I'm sure. I'm sure they are just a blank slate of a fucking person who knows that this joke can get some quick laughs by some dummies. So, if you're offended, fucking don't be, because it was stupid. It was a dumb joke made by a dumb person. It doesn't actually affect anything that has to do with the game at all. So that's that. Don't don't worry about it. It was a, and and they sh- the, the apo- I didn't read their apology. I'm sure it was bad though, because all apologies are bad. Apologies don't mean anything. Okay. So yeah, I, that's my opinion on the whole thing. It was it's that same joke that people make every fucking day ever since we gender politics became big in this country, and people are gonna continue to make that joke, and they were just trying to get a quick laugh, not realizing who their target target demographic was.
1: So, yeah
0: somebody who's just plain dumb
1: yeah I feel I feel like I mean like, I, I don't think it really moves a needle for me on the game because the game is still going to be a wait and see for the reviews because this is such a uh, a sensitive type of game for me right yeah and I wanted to people say before I even buy it because I've been burned right and mm-hmm. it also is not a great way to to, to make people think of your studio when we've also learned in the past couple of years the sort of brutal labor practices that are that go on there. Like have you heard about their their, their labor practices? No. Like they work their developers to the bone. They have incredible turnover, do not pay people very well, and demand like 90-hour weeks over there. It's insane. Damn. Mm. People always say like why aren't more games as well made or as big as The Witcher 3? And I'm like that's the reason why because it's literally made by like the worst, like slave drivers in the industry.
0: Yeah, I'd rather my game take three or four more years to come out than people get treated badly just to develop it.
1: Yeah, and it sucks. And like I said, the joke uh, was was bad, like you said, and dumb. And I didn't find it offensive because I'm not transgender or non-binary or whatever. I don't. I don't like. I don't know what that's like. Okay. But they seem to not like it, and so I just listened, and I was like, "Yeah, that seems like a pretty shitty thing to say." And yeah, I mean,
0: and I agree that it's not—it's not right. And if you're if you're transgender and everything, it's—it's it's not something you'd like to hear. But the only reason I said to not even to not really take it seriously or not be offended is because it is just that dumb, empty joke people keep making, and it's a joke that, honestly, we're at the tail end of. I don't think people are going to be saying it for very much longer. So it was clearly just a really really dumb marketing person who just doesn't even know what current culture is like cuz I've once again I told you I heard that joke a lot and I've been hearing it a lot less lately mm-hmm. because I feel like we're at the tail end of it. It's it's dying. It's going to be dead. Anybody who says it now just in, invalidated in my opinion.
1: Yeah. And most of the response I saw wasn't like anger over the joke. It was more like just a tired it was just tired, you know, like, yeah, really, again, in 2018, this is what we're still doing? Like, it would be like, I mean, this is a bad example, but, like, someone is saying, uh, like, doing a My Wife joke, um, which is, it can still be funny. I may, I may, have, I may have gone past the point of being, uh, like, played out to funny again now that it's, I mean, if you say it ironically, I guess. Yeah, some things loop around to being ironically funny. Yeah, and this, I don't know, but it's just one of those things where, like... Uh, you know, I just wish that they hadn't done it, but... Uh, and the apology, like you said, was bad, because apologies are pretty much always bad. I think that a better solution than apologizing for your mistakes is just to be better in the future. Yeah. Like, just don't even talk about it. Just be like, yeah, uh, that was fucked up, but here's what I do now. Here, here's how I respond now. And, you know, yeah, that's
0: why I hate, like, people who always assume or demand that a statement come out from the company and i'm like what do you think a statement is actually is it going to is it is there anything they can say that is going to make you be like oh yeah that's entirely okay then i'm i'm, I'm in the wrong now no just yeah. let them let them either become better or not and you can support them with your dollar
1: yeah no apology is ever going to really uh, pe- people
0: are pressing riot games to come out with a statement about their did we talk about this on the podcast? The I don't Riot Games. So, no. Stuff? What happened? We didn't talk about Riot
1: Games. No. What happened? You know what happened? I I really don't, dude. They make League uh, of Legends, right?
0: Yeah. Kotaku bombshell article about their sexual harassment stuff. I did.
1: I did not hear about this.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, this. I mean, this was huge. Uh, to, Kotaku released a uh, very, very, very lengthy article about uh how women are basically treated like second class citizens inside of riot games. Um, Damn. just terrible. I mean, I, I, encourage anyone to read this article and just see some of the shit people say, because not only did they go into how they treat women badly. Like I know a lot of, one thing that was said by several, several female employees is that, um, like women in the office don't feel like yelling during meetings. And so they never get heard. It's, it's just a loud dude to get heard. So if a woman has a good idea, it doesn't matter. Even going as far as one female former female employee pitched an idea at a meeting that was immediately rejected, and then she gave the same exact pitch to one of her her male coworkers and told him to give it, and it was accepted. Fucked up. Um, pretty fucked up but not only did it go into that and how women are treated badly but it just went into how people people are treated badly there because like there was even a dude who used to work there who was like yeah if it was a meeting of all dudes the guy running the meeting would come in and fart in your face (laughs) what yes The fuck. i mean it was just it's just a weird toxic culture they have over at riot games which I'm not surprised. I, I love League of Legends more than I love most things. I absolutely love that game for everything that it is. But when your company is founded by someone like Mark Merrill, you can't really expect much out of it when it comes to workplace uh, respect and culture, okay?
1: I don't and know much about Mark Merrill. Who is this guy? He's just, he's just
0: the epitome of, like, dude bro. Okay. He's that guy. And. He's probably – I'm not going to say he's as bad as some of his employees. Maybe he's not. Maybe he's better. But he definitely um, gives off that dude bro vibe. And I know one thing that really irked me um, is that a lot of the women who worked there during their job – like their hiring process, um, if they said they liked a video game, and this happens to any girl who says they like video games, the the interviewer would then like go in-depth questioning her on everything about it to see if she's a real fan or not.
1: What the fuck? Like,
0: like one girl who interviewed there said that she was she lo- she loved World of Warcraft, and so then the guy asked her about this one item that you could only get if you did this one raid at this one specific time, and she wasn't playing at that time, so she's like, yeah, I don't have that item, and he was just like, oh, I guess you just you're not really into WoW then, are you?
1: Jesus Christ!
0: And like, if girls said that they were into game like puzzle games or stuff like that, they'd be like, oh, so you are you into like real games like Call of Duty? What the fuck? Was like their go-to. Which is funny, because almost every League of Legends player I, knows, I know hates Call of Duty. And thinks that it's a dumb game. So it's weird that at Riot Games, they use that as their pedestal for what makes you a gamer. Um, and, of course, men who have had these same interviews never fa- They'll say, oh, I'm into this game. Like, oh, cool, man. That's awesome. Me too. Like,
1: um, what, what, okay, hold on. I've got a problem with this. What defines a real game? Exactly.
0: That's the whole thing. Is what is what's a gamer? What makes you a
1: gamer? What defines what a game is? Because people know. always want to say like, oh, phone games and like puzzle games aren't real games or whatever. What about fucking Tetris? Yeah, like that's the original like, puzzle. Like all these like puzzle like Strike and all like the the fucking uh like start the the Street Fighter puzzle game and the RPG puzzle games. Those are area. Where people love those fucking games. What I mean. Why are you drawing it's, – it's, it's just because they don't want to acknowledge, yes, that women play games. I yeah,
0: guess is what and if they're not called games – like, if phone games and puzzle games aren't games, why are you calling them games? That's a good question. They're clearly games, and so, yeah, uh, this Riot Games thing came out, and people are like, oh, what's Mark Merrill going to say? What's this? What's that? And I'm like, guys, it's not going to happen. The, the two things Riot Games are going to do is either do their best to get better, which their, their senior-most female engineer uh, – she's, like, the lead of some kind of development at the company. She, now Because apparently – like, the one thing that was interesting about this article – let me go on a tangent real quick – is that there were plenty of women who used to work there or interviewed and got rejected who um, were on this article saying, oh, yeah, this is really bad. And a lot of men who were like, yeah, the culture is pretty bad for women – but then there was a couple of women who were at the company, like anyone who was, like, really senior, who said, they are like, yeah, we didn't even know this was happening. Like, we like all the interviews we sit in on, this stuff doesn't happen. And we weren't – this wasn't the way we were interviewed. And, yeah, it's been hard for us to get to where we are, but it's, it's – we didn't know all this was happening. So now a couple of those senior engineers who are women are actually – are going to try and work on the hiring process and work on the culture a little bit now. So, yeah, Riot has two options, get better or stay the same. And – I don't know which one they're going to do, but yeah, we don't, and there's nothing that Mark Merrill or the company is going to say that's going to make the situation better for anyone who's been involved in it.
1: Yeah, it, it, it would make sense that they, that the women who work there wouldn't have heard or seen this kind of stuff in the interviews, because of course they wouldn't do it when they were there. Yeah. They would, they would fucking, uh, cause you know, most of these guys who do this kind of shit, they're too cowardly to do it, you know, actually in front of women, you know, they, they, they save it for when they're alone. Yeah, so, they're probably the kind of dudes that, like,
0: claim to be, uh, feminist just to get laid. Oh, for sure, yeah. it's That's probably the kind of guy they hire at Riot, to be honest.
1: Are there dudes on the internet or are like, I'm an alpha, and they won't talk to anybody in real life? Yeah. It's like, you see tons of those guys. Um, I didn't know that. That's fucked up, though. Goddamn, Riot, come on. Get better. Yeah, they
0: got they gotta get better. Like I said, I still love League of Legends, but... Yeah, I don't, I don't love their company. I mean, I've never really liked. I've always heard bad things about their company culture, and I've never been a huge fan of Mark Merrill. But I mean, I
1: love the game, so I hope they get better. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's I mean, that's all you can hope for, really. Yeah. Is uh, but again, you know, at the same time, maybe if the company was uh, owned by the workers and people had a different uh, uh, say in it, things would be different. Maybe if maybe if everyone had an equal voice. Uh, things could run themselves a bit differently. That's true. Mark Merrill,
0: if you're listening, if you are open to letting your company be owned by the workers instead of by yourself and you want to come on our podcast, hit us up on Twitter.
1: <laughs> Hell yeah. We'll definitely uh, advocate for that. We um, will save your entire image, my dude. You know, you know what's a great counterexample of that where it, where it doesn't work because it's it's false or whatever? What? Is Valve. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. You know, Valve is a company that has no hierarchy inside of it, right? Yeah. Like there's there's no like meat a management seniority or how like that. Well, there is seniority because apparently, core people who work there are, or have worked there, there are like cliques that form of people, and that's yeah. how shit gets done. Is if you, if you have a powerful enough clique to get things accomplished, and the issue is that there is that they always talk about their 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 non hierarchical structure and how they have a you know a, a horizontal uh, power uh, uh, management, but. The, the company itself is still privately owned and managed and not by the workers, but by people like, you know, uh, Gabe Newell and yeah. people of his class. So it's it's not like the workers actually control anything there.
0: Yeah, Valve you're... has one of the most interesting company cultures I've ever read about. I can never tell if it's a good or a bad thing, honestly. It, it just seems really,
1: really weird. It seems like it'll be a very strange place to work.
0: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It just seems like weird like you might i feel like any day you go to the office you might you might either be a person who's actually working super diligently and making something big or you might just like be sitting around and
1: twirling your thumbs and not knowing what to do yeah it's like i don't like the idea of a hierarchy in in our job like of these levels and structures of managers and the supervisors and stuff yeah but it seems like here you don't have that but it's only that you don't have it officially right Like, at least if you have a rigid hierarchy of your organization, you know who the guy is above you or the the woman above you, there it seems like it could change at any time based on, like, popularity, like fucking high school. Yeah, like social mobility. Yeah, it's like like being in high school again. And who wants to Mm. do that shit? Something we all miss. (laughs) Oh, man. But, uh, so yeah, I have one more thing I want to talk about before we go. Alright, hit me Uh, with it. It's, it's a home story here in Georgia. Um, did you hear... Oh, shit. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. About the poll closures. Yeah, fuck Georgia. Garbage. Absolute fucking garbage. For, Tell for, them about it. For those of y'all who don't know out there, uh, all of our Illineals Nation listeners, uh, right now, the uh, Georgia um, governor's race is going on. Among other races, too. That's the big one, right? Of course. And it's between um, Brian Kemp... Who is an absolutely insane thug for uh, who who love Donald Trump and Stacey Abrams, who is a, a, a liberal. Let's just say it. She's a liberal. She's not uh, yes. somebody that I really would like, but she is the the better choice of the two, and yes. she would be our first black female governor, and and actually the first black female governor anywhere in in, in America. And I don't really put the whole kind of like stock and the whole like being the first to do something or whatever but it's obvious they don't want it to happen and more so than if she had been like some generic white guy or even probably a white woman because they are doing they are closing down polling stations in majority black neighborhoods here in in georgia because they're afraid she might win yep because she's announced
0: yesterday that they won't do write-in ballots in those places either
1: of course not no because she is polling neck and neck with Brian Kemp, which is insane. Yeah. Like, a Democrat winning in Georgia will be crazy. A black woman Democrat winning in, in Georgia would be even crazier. But it seems like she might have the potential to do it. And so to fight that, they are closing down polling stations in urban, you know, black neighborhoods. And you know what they're saying? Have you heard their excuse? No. They're not ADA compliant.
0: Oh, that... The funny thing is I actually know a lot about ADA compliance and that actually is a pretty good scapegoat, if
1: I just say so myself. And the funny thing is, is the ADA has, has has rated some of these buildings as actually being compliant. I'm sure. But they're saying like Oh, we need to reevaluate them, so we have to close them down while the reevaluation is happening I and mean, we oh, oh what do you oh it's unfortunate it won't be you know, being open during the election. And they're just like blatantly strong arming these places into not into not opening for polls. So they, they, they don't want her to win.
0: Yeah, they're intentionally just being absolutely awful and rigging the system. Um, a system where I still think Stacey Abrams will win. Um, then again I thought Hillary Clinton was gonna win, but still I still think stacey abrams has a pretty good stronghold here in georgia or not here there in georgia um but yeah i mean it's just atrocious what they're doing i mean i'm i'm from georgia i live there for 99 of my life so far and i don't live there anymore but anytime anytime something from georgia comes up or a person from georgia comes up i get really proud and i tell everyone that's georgia right there that's great but fuck georgia on this like yeah. come on i know that Georgia's never going to align with me politically. But I do have a big affinity for the place. I hope that we can get better. And this is a, t- a incredible sign that we're not getting better.
1: I so. honestly do think that Abrams will win in Georgia because the anti-Trump uh, backlash is so strong. And the pro-Trump people, they don't seem very enthused. You know, They don't seem like they're really ready to come out and vote for Brian Kemp. Just because he's he may be a fan of Trump, but he's not Trump, you know? Yeah. And the other thing is, I mean, I do think that if if this is if we can if she wins, it will be a squeaker. It'll be one. Maybe oh, yeah, I think two it'll be close. Points. So, but I do think she can still pull it out. But the thing is about this is is that, and the other thing that you t- you know they'll do is they'll do what the North Carolina people did when a Democrat won the governor's race there in twenty sixteen. Do you remember what they did? No. The legislature stripped the governor's position of so much power and transferred it to themselves to make sure that when that Democrat got into office, he would not be able to do anything with the position. Yeah, sounds about right. So you know that when Stacey Abrams uh, wins, they're going to do the exact same thing. They're going to use those two months before she gets into office to basically cut the governor position down to nothing. So she can't even do anything with it. And then, when she fails to effect any sort of change and a Republican wins again in however many years they'll get, grant all the powers again to do more stuff. So that's just how it works. It's, it's one of those things where it's like, it makes you realize, hey, maybe voting is bullshit. Maybe voting doesn't fucking work and it's never going to accomplish anything.
0: Yeah, it's how figureheading works. When someone that the powers that be does, don't want to be in power wins, they give the power to people who, we're not talking, like when Obama was in office, everyone, oh, Obama did this, Obama did that. But in reality, a lot of power was coming from the Republican Party, even when he was in office. But it, just was, it wasn't the figurehead. So the people are like, oh, Obama didn't do anything. And it's like, well, yeah. It, 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 yeah, because Republicans were controlling everything. It's like the stuff behind the scenes that no one pays attention to is what's getting stuff done. And they blame it on the figurehead. So whenever Stacey Abrams gets all her power stripped away and gets nothing done, they're going to say, oh, it's Stacey Abrams' fault. Let's vote for somebody else. When in reality, it wasn't her fault at all.
1: Yeah. Mark my words, that's what will happen. She will win. They will shirk her powers away and say she accomplished nothing while she was in office. Yeah. And I'm not even so. saying she would accomplish anything crazy good or anything, but she'll accomplish less than nothing once this happens. Yeah. And maybe it's supposed to, maybe it's a so signal signaling people that, here's the thing. I don't, I we've talked about it on this podcast before, whether or not we believe in electoralism. We do believe in electoralism, I think. We should be getting out and voting. We should be you know, working together and canvassing and, and, and campaigning for people, but don't see don't don't see the vote. Don't see the the election day as the end of that. It's not. The, the the campaigning and the build up the election, that is that is what matters because it is building up a network of people who you can rely on, who agree with you politically, and who one day when this shit all falls apart, that's people you'll turn to to work with. Yep. We need to build these structures because I, I hate to say it, but we're not going to be able to vote our way out of this situation. It's going to come down to armed struggle and just be ready for that shit. Have your mind on the future. I agree. <laughs> the millennials' position is, is that Civil War 2 is coming and you fucking better be ready for it. Yep. Oh, man. But you know what? I kind of think that's the podcast for the week.
0: Yeah. Before we go, I have a, another movie recommendation. Oh, okay. For the Millennials Nation, it's a uh, it's a it's a smaller movie, um, not super popular called Mission Impossible Fallout. <laughs> um, I
1: haven't heard of this. So what's it about?
0: Yeah, it's about uh, this guy named Ethan Hunt mm-hmm. who's just really good at his job. Oh wow! And it, all jokes aside, I I saw it really late. I saw it, I spent out for like two or three weeks at this point, but I saw it this past week, and I could not have been more pleased with this movie. I was. Blown away! It's an incredible addition to the Mission Impossible franchise. I think it's right up there with Ghost Protocol as maybe the best Mission Impossible movie. Oh wow! And I, I was I was really 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 into it from start to finish. There's so many good scenes, so so much good action, and yeah, if you're a fan of the series, I really think you're gonna like this one. So I, I recommend it highly. It's it's a very very good movie.
1: Okay. I have a, I have a movie non recommendation. Do not watch Pacific Rim Uprising it misses mm. all the good things from the first movie and turns it into a pro-fascist uh, screed against immigrants. So don't go watch that movie. Yeah,
0: so those are our... Th- th- we balanced you out. We gave you a movie to watch and a movie not to watch. Yeah. So you know what
1: to do this week. Uh, so uh, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at mc Mhm.
0: You can find me on Twitter at Pacific Rim Uprising Movie.
1: <laughs> um... Got a couple of things to say. Marcus Barkley does our art. He is uh, he is unknowable and unfindable, and you will never be yes. able to detect him. Uh we've stopped trying to solve our problems doesn't want to outlive them.
0: Uh fuck Kevin Durant and Tom Brady and John McCain.
1: hmm uh,
0: you can lead a horse to water which can't make him get under it. And from New Orleans to New York. That's the Leniel's podcast. Take it easy. Yep. Later.